0: But the first edition of Botvinnik's school had several future grandmasters. Balashov, Razvayev, Timošenko, Roshkovsky, and of course, Anatoly Karpov. Botvinnik suggested that I would be his assistant in the February session. And of course, I uh, was very proud and accepted this as a great honor. You are listening to KasparovChess.com podcast, episode 10. My relationship with Mikhail Moisevich Botvinnik lasted for 15 years, from 1973 to 1988. And one can Hardly overestimate his influence not just for my chess, but also for the development of my character. Batwinik was the first Soviet world chess champion and was highly revered by generations of Soviet players as a patriarch, patriarch of the Soviet chess school. Batwinik, of course, was aware about his legendary status and believed that it also imposed certain responsibilities on him. He thought that it was his duty to share his knowledge and experience with other generation of Soviet chess players. And after ending his professional career in 1963, when he lost his World Championship match to Tigran Petrosyan, Ptvinnik decided to open his school. It was a short lived experiment but the first edition of Botvinik School had several future grandmasters: Belashov, Razuayev, Timoshenko Roshkovsky, and of course Anatoly Karpov. The program was resumed in 1969, and in 1973 it was already a fully functioning system when I was admitted as a Botvinik student. In summer 1973, and uh, it became a very strong institution when Mark Varetsky, famous coach, joined Batwinik as his assistant. Batwinik believed that the best way to help young players to advance was not just to analyze games with them and give professional advice, but also to socialize. That's why our sessions lasted for seven to 10 days and included many other activities like skiing, playing football, other sports and of course, endless conversations where Batwinik was eagerly sharing his his chess career telling us about uh, great champions of the past He met Laskier, Karablanca, Eliyokhin, and by doing so, helped us understand the nature of the game of chess at the highest professional level. During sessions, each of the students had to demonstrate four games, and Batvinnik always insisted that the selection should include at least one lost game. Typically, it was two wins, one loss, one draw. And he always encouraged other students to make comments, to be actively engaged during the analysis. Needless to say that it was a gold opportunity for me, and I was probably too active. and uh, Often Bofinik had to slow me down saying that I was too fast and nobody could calculate lines so quickly and I should give others, including himself, time to think. Sometimes he even said, Gary, if you rush, if you make moves without proper consideration, you could become another Larsenor timanov First, I was not sure why that was a reproach and a compliment, because Taimanov and Special Larson were one of the best players in the world. But then I understood that for Botvinnik, with his very solid positional approach and his almost religious belief in serious preparation, both Taymanov and Larson were not players to be followed. Taimanov, for lack of seriousness and professionalism, because uh, Mark Taimanov was an excellent piano player and uh, combined chess with music. And uh, Ben Larson for playing unorthodox chess and ignoring some traditional norms and ideas that for Botvinnik were cornerstones of good quality chess. In 1974, Batwinik introduced a novelty by making two games mini-matches between his students just to see us in action. Later, these games have been analyzed and it this kind of analysis helped Patwinik to formulate uh, homework for us before the next session. There were three sessions a year, and at the end of each session, Patvinik and Voretsky made a new assessment of each student deciding whether we were making progress or not. And of course, that could influence decision. Of inviting or disinviting students for the next event. The edition of the 70s had uh, also many famous grandmasters Yusupov, Daumatov, Sachis, Haritonov, Elvest, Andrei Sokolov, Akhmilovskaya, Aksharumova, Rosenthalis, Nenashov. At these sessions, Mark Dvoretsky formed his relations with Artur Yusupov and Sergei Dalmatov, making those two first recipients of what will be later known as Dvoretsky's method. Dvoretsky also tried to bring me in, but I remain loyal to Alexander Nikit. The rivalry between me and Dvoretsky's students continued for many years, but our first games that were played against each other took place at the sessions of Phoenix School. And one of these games I want to present in this episode against Sergei Dolmatov, uh, the game that was played in August 1976, when I returned from uh, my failed trip to France. It was a scanning against Sicilian with knight bd7. That's a maneuver that I always liked. I had a strange affection to this setup with knight bd7, b5, bishop b7, uh, rook c8. It also probably helped that we worked with Elmar Magaramov on various lines in Sicilian that had this uh, knight bd7 setup. up. mother f- tried a straightforward approach, trying to break through in the center, and uh, reached an interesting position where at one point he could attack my knight on g4, rook on a8, but that's where I prepared my sacrifice. And uh, taking two rooks would be disastrous for white. Retreating from a to e4 with a queen would give me two pawns for an exchange and a better position. Domar didn't find so the right move that could uh, help him to keep an edge and uh, lost a pawn, central pawn only five, and I won the game quite convincingly. The second game was a draw. I had a very good initiative. In uh, Sveshnikov line, this variation was just picking up popularity, but I could manage to win a very promising position. But beating Domatov, a very strong player who was four years older than me, was a good way to restore my confidence after unsuccessful trip to France. Working with Botvinnik was not easy because he was a straightforward man with strong opinions, who was not very diplomatic, tolerant to criticism. And in 1977, Mark Dwarecki left, left the school, leaving the seat for an assistant open. And after my uh, great success in uh, January 1978, In Minsk, where I became a master and won my first solid adult tournament, even beating first Grandmaster, But Vinning suggested that I would be his assistant in a February session. And of course, I uh, was very proud and accepted this as a great honor. Unfortunately, it was the last session because for some reasons, the funding for the project was no longer available and uh, the school was closed. And uh, as my first initiative after winning World Championship match, I suggested that Soviet trade union organization would renew the project as Botvinnik Kasparov School. And the first session of this new edition took place in early 1986. In future episodes, I will tell more about our joint work with Botvinik It lasted for two and a half years and had a constellation of future chess stars. Kramnik, Shirov, Akopian, Serper, Alterman, Tivyakov, Rublevsky, Wanda, Galamina. Sadly, my relations with great teacher ended abruptly in 1988 due to irreconcilable political difference. Batvinnik was a diehard communist who was highly critical of Gorbachev's policy of reforms believing that it could end Soviet Union. Actually, he was right. It did lead to a collapse of the Soviet Union. And for Botvinnik, the idea of the collapse of the state that he served loyally for decades was inconceivable. And his uh, orthodox views about Soviet history and Stalin's role, for instance, in World War II were too much for me to accept. And I uh, remember openly engaging him in the sharp ideological debate at our last session in uh, summer 1987. Since um, 1988, when Batvinnik was uh, the chief arbiter of uh, the Soviet championship, I tied for a second with Karpov and it ended in, in a conflict situation about uh, tie break and uh, decision to avoid uh, a match between uh, two of us because we tied for a second. We have barely spoken until Botvinnik's death in 1995. And now I feel very sorry about it. Not that I'm Willing to concede my opinions. I believe I was on the right side of history, but at my age today, I look at the events of the eighties and this conflict quite differently. Alas, in my twenties, as Batvinik's favorite student, I learned from him not only just wisdom also confrontational approach to those who are not willing to share his views.